What do they got in third and 14? No protection again. Sack off the edge. Trayvon Walker joining the party. A sixth sack. You're listening to BetQL Daily with Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth from BetQL. Thursday, two weeks from tonight, the first round of the NFL draft. And that call you heard there of Trayvon Walker from Georgia, you're going to hear his name early, maybe early as number one overall. Let's talk NFL draft here with Michael Felder at In the Bleachers on Twitter. He's joining us on the Roman guest line. Michael, welcome back to the show. Let's talk about Trayvon Walker. His name keeps popping up. I don't think there's a consensus at number one. I think Aiden Hutchins has kind of become the likely guest. The Jaguars will take him, but Walker's name keeps popping up. How would you compare those two players? And, and do you think it would be you know, a mistake if the Jaguars passed on Hutchinson to take Trayvon Walker? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's been crazy. As someone who's followed college football and his root is rooted in college football because Walker realistically on that defense for me he was player number five maybe player number six on that defense Uh, but what the difference that we're looking at is high ceiling versus high floor Aiden Hutchinson is a high floor player you you cannot go wrong with him at the at worst he's going to be a very serviceable defensive end who gives you 10 years of service, whether it's with the Jags and then moving on or stays all with the Jags. He's going to give you that. He's never going to make a mistake. He's not going to do anything wrong. He's going to be a workman, and hopefully you get maybe 10 sacks. Uh, you, you have a couple flashes of 10 sack years for him. Uh, Walker is a high ceiling player, and I think the interesting part of this for me is the guy that we haven't mentioned, which is Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Because Thibodeau is a high ceiling player as well. So then you start to figure out where do these guys all fit, because Walker – not quite the pass rusher that Thibodeau is uh, from a size standpoint, even like you look at the sizes and you look at the measurables, uh, Thibodeau is built for speed. Walker a little bit more built for power, but he has be, teams have become enamored with him from a guy that we were like, he'll probably end up being an early day two guy, maybe late day one to discussing him five. So he's been one of the most enigmatic players from a rise level. While Thibodeau has been a guy that people are now mocking outside of the top 10, which feels crazy because he's, uh, from my perspective, I think he's the most talented pass rusher in this draft. We're still trying to figure out, and teams are trying to figure out uh, the proper way to evaluate quarterbacks. And it's, you know, sometimes those top picks work, sometimes they don't. Uh, It doesn't appear that a quarterback is going to go very high, but, you know, you can say that on a lot of years when it looks like it isn't the richest of QB drafts. And teams are going to find one. If you need one, we're going to have to take one in the top five. If you needed a quarterback, would you take one in this draft in the first round? Or would you go with a higher floor guy at, at one of the more premium positions? See, and that, that's the craziest thing about this draft. I don't think any of these guys are true first round picks, true top 10 picks, if we're being even more specific. But Malik Willis, and or Kenny Pickett, they're going to get drafted in the top 15. That's just the reality because that's the world that we live in. There's a thirst for quarterbacks, and if you don't have one, you have to get one. If you don't get one, people will view your draft as a failure because you don't address the position. Quarterback's the only position that most people can name, right? I would say if you go across the country, you ask people to name a a position, they're going to go quarterback. They might they know running back, maybe wide receiver. That's it. Most people don't know a lot of, of the other positions. So, He's the face that he, by, he's by default the face of your franchise. And so if you don't have that, 
it does make people feel like your draft is a failure, even if you address a bunch of other needs that make your team better. So we're going to see Willis. We're going to see Pickett go. The interesting part becomes between Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Sam Howell, those guys in the mix there, Matt Corral as well from, from, from Ole Miss. That's the interesting part because once we get past the first two, and again, we got, we're talking high ceiling versus high floor. Kenny Pickett, high floor. Malik Willis, high ceiling. What do you do after those guys? Because there are teams that are in the middle of the draft that still want to address the quarterback spot or still need to address the quarterback spot. And do we see a run on these quarterbacks where we see guys get overdrafted as we've seen in years past? I think 2013 is a great example of that. Or do we see teams hold their water, get a better – go BPA, you know, best player available, and then get a quarterback a little bit later? Like, do we see Strong or how get pushed down because teams opt for – uh, what what is a really good wide receivers class or what is a really good defensive line class or what is a really good uh, a group of uh, secondary players? Do we see teams go up and above to get those guys? Or do teams do what we've seen them do time and again, chase that dragon and ultimately sink their franchise for four years into a quarterback that they didn't really like that much, but they felt like they needed to get? Are there any bets along those lines um, that you like? Um, for example, quarterback selected first round over or under three and a half? I'm, I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. We know two for sure. Mm-hmm. And then we get into Ritter and Corral, which are going to be the next two guys off the board. So we're talking about four. Yeah. And so I think that I would go over the three and a half there because I think we're going to at least see four guys go. We may end up seeing five at the back end if somebody trades back up because they're scared they won't be able to get a guy like a Sam Howell or a Carson Strong on the uh, earlier enough in day two. But I, I would I would ta- I would take I would take the over on that. I just think with the NFL and the thirst for quarterbacks, the idea that only two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks get picked in the first round, it feels like a thing that just can't happen. And it's plus one seventy, by the way, where I'm looking. So it's a good bet. There it's you a go. Good number. <laughs> Michael, wide receivers, uh, always the talk around this time of the year is the wide receivers. Last year, it was a pretty good class. I mean, Jamar Chase was was the best, but then Jalen Waddle had a good year. Devontae Smith had a good year. Feels like every year we're doing this. What do you make of this class? I don't feel like there's a consensus. This is the best guy in this class. Last year, I think it was pretty clear Chase was number one, and then Devontae Waddle after that. Uh, do you have a favorite among these likely first-round wide receivers and, and your thoughts on this wide receiver class? My favorite is Jamison Williams, uh, but the reality is Drake London, if he, if, and, and here's the thing, Drake London and Jamison Williams both coming off injury. Drake London is got a basketball background. He's ready to box you out. He's got a huge catch radius. Uh, Jamison Williams is an expert route runner, but then you get to Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is an expert route runner as well, understands how to fade, how to lean. And then we get to Chris Olave. Chris Olave is a guy, he's kind of a Swiss army knife, right? Jack of all trades can do everything. And, and he's really a master of them all too. He can, he can beat you deep. He can run the daylight but he also is really good in the intermediate and shallow game. So I think that because of the way that offense is played in college, wide receivers will and is and will continue to be the deepest um, part of the draft. Sky Moore from, I believe, what, Western Michigan is in the mix there. Calvin Austin from Memphis is in there, a guy that's an absolute speed burner. So it's deep. It's a deep class. Jahan Dotson is in the mix, the kid from Penn State, who's absolute. like, if you can't get Chris Olave, get Jahan Dotson. They do a lot of the same thing, and they do them really well. And David Bell from Purdue, like the list goes on and on and on and on and on of what these guys can do. So I think it's the deepest part of the draft. I think it's the part where you can get help 
in every single round, depending on who's there. Uh, I, I think, I think Drake London will probably be the first one off the board, even though he's coming off injury. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it's Garrett. Like, I think there are three guys that can be the first receiver off the board. Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, or Drake London. Two of those guys are coming back from injury. The other guy is just an absolute standout and has been a professional. And it's been really cool to listen to, 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 to GMs and folks who, who are in the know in the NFL talk about Garrett Wilson because he is someone that he's a five-star kid. He was already a five-star when he was a, a sophomore, junior in high school. He comported himself in that way. He delivered on everything you want a five-star to do. And he's now a five-star blue-chip prospect, if you will, for the NFL draft. And he's continued to operate that way. This guy knows what he is, knows who he is, comes from a great family. Everybody's ready. He's ready to accept the burden of being your team's number one receiver. And I think that's going to be an interesting – it's going to be interesting how people take that because he is so prepared, so polished, so ready. I'm curious to see uh, if he's not the first receiver off the board. I'm curious to watch how teams explain taking a guy, two guys, one one of two guys coming off injuries instead of taking the guy that we know is built for this. Michael, is there a, a guy projected top 10, top 15 uh, that you see in the majority of mocks and maybe getting some, uh, getting some chatter, getting some steam, and you watched his career, you watched the tape, you don't get it? Well, I mean, we went over the quarterbacks, right? Yeah. And we and already he- talked about Walker. So to me, Walker would be the one. I think it's mm-hmm. more the other way around where I'm watching – I'm watching Thibodeau slide down, and I'm like, what's happening? Why? Yeah. How is this happening? What is up with this? Oh, the other guy. You know what? And the other one, from Thibodeau to another one, is, is Kyle Hamilton at safety. People are – I'm seeing him get pushed out of the top ten, and it just – it feels crazy. Same thing with uh, Tyler Lindenbaum. Lindenbaum's a top ten player in this draft, but he plays center, so people don't want it. Kyle Hamilton's the top – Kyle Hamilton, I think, is the top four player in this draft, but he plays safety. People don't want it. And so it's really hard for me to square that. I don't – the, the guys bubbling up, we've already hit on from a quarterback standpoint with Willis and Pickett. If they were in any other draft, we wouldn't be talking about them as top ten picks. Um, Walker is another interesting one uh, from Georgia because I don't know what he is in the NFL. I don't know that he's, a, he's your elite pass rusher. I don't know that he's a ten sacks a year guy. And that's, that becomes the problem. But people really are falling in love with him. So it's going to be interesting to see how they square all these things. But I'm more frustrated, bothered by seeing guys fall down than by seeing guys bubble up. I want everybody to get paid. But when I see someone like Kyle Hamilton, who's clearly the best safety in this draft, be pushed to 12, be pushed to 11, I'm like, man, he's a top five player in this draft, top four player in this draft. And you won't take him because of the position he plays? Same thing with Tyler Lindenbaum, the center from Iowa. Michael, when you look at the corners – it looks like Ahmad Gardner is just the heavy favorite, minus 350 to be the first cornerback selected. But is there any value with Derek Stingley Jr. or Trent McDuffie at 16-1? to 1? Yeah, I think this soft is probably the first guy off the board, but Stingley ran a 4-3 at his pro day. Stingley is coming off an injury, and there are teams that really, really still like what Stingley did. Stingley was corner number one until the 2021 season. And there are teams that still hold that in their back pocket as valuable. And so if we get to pick six, seven, eight, and one of those teams wants a corner, 
and they like the fact that he played at LSU, played against the best competition in the country, was was a day one starter. To be a day one starter at a school that purports itself to be DBU, you have to be pretty good. And I think that Stingley still is catching the eye of whether it's a GM or it's scouts or whatever. People are going to pound the table for him over Sauce, a guy that got it done. I love Sauce. He's really good. Got it done in the American. Sauce Gardner is really, really good. But this, again, I think it's a really good defensive backdrop from a safety and corner standpoint. So if somebody misses, doesn't get Sauce, and they're able to get his teammate, Kobe Bryant, they're going to be happy. Obviously, you mentioned Trent McDuffie. McDuffie, I think, is probably going to be the third corner off the board. But there's a lot to love about this cornerback class because of how – the same reason why the wide receivers are so popular, the corners are going to be popular too because these guys had to cover those guys. We're talking with uh, Michael Felder here in the bleachers about the NFL draft two weeks away. Michael, there's been some some chatter. I'm not sure if this is just draft smoke or it's real about the idea of Malik Willis as high as number two to the Detroit Lions, kind of a, a franchise that has a, a placeholder in Jared Goff. They're not expected to compete this year. You could kind of see a scenario where they take a quarterback and it's okay. They let him sit because they're not in a rush there. Do, do you think that's um, likely possible? And and what do you think about Willis? Because he's, you, you mentioned boomer bust with Trayvon Walker. It feels like people think that with Willis, like his arm, his athleticism, it's all off the charts. Yet, you know, we got to see if he could play at this level and, and how long until he's ready to play at a high level in the NFL. I love Willis. I think he's super, super talented. Obviously, he makes throws that are crazy. Uh, the play made two years ago against Virginia Tech where he evades the pocket, spins out, and then drops a dime at the one-yard line to his guy to keep him in bounds. is amazing. Uh, that's, to me, that's the quintessential highlight of what this guy's able to do. Uh, you see the athleticism, you see the arm strength, you see the accuracy, all those things in one play. Um, but for the Lions at two, to get someone that they can't use does feel a little silly. And question then becomes so we gotta get like if they were draft if they were to trade down and still get willis and earn more draft capital that would make more sense to me but if they're going to take him at two you can't sit him you can't sit him that's the world we live in now and i i don't like it i'm not thrilled with it i think that every rookie quarterback should have i mean anywhere from six to 12 games where they are still just sitting, waiting, maybe a whole season for some guys, but that's not a luxury that teams are afforded in the current state of the NFL. Like if they were, if they, if they were able to pick him at two, feel no pressure as they lose, you know, week one, week two, week three, week four, week five, feel no pressure to play him as they lose these games, get him in on some package plays for some experience. That would feel fine. I would be okay. I could live with that. But the reality is if you pick him at two and then lose eight games in a row, you're going to feel pressure to put him in the game. And that's the pressure that can ultimately destroy his career, ultimately hamstring your franchise for, what, four years? Michael Felder on the Roman guest line. Michael, we appreciate it. We'll come back more on the NFL Draft two weeks from tonight is the first round right here on BetQL Daily.
These Joes are helping you bet like a pro. It's Joe Ostrowski, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth on BetQL Daily from BetQL.